0: We're going to talk about the helmet of salvation, Uh, and uh, before we do that, I just want to go back into our basic scripture, uh, where we're drawn from. This is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Listen to this. uh, Those of you that haven't been here, pay attention to the wording. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. These these are elements, parts of the armor of God that we are to put on. It doesn't tell us any place that God puts this armor on us. It tells us that we are to put the armor on. It's a word picture for what we're supposed to do in our Christian lives. Today we're going to talk about the helmet of salvation. As you already saw, several models of a helmet I want to give you uh, a Roman soldier's helmet. I'm not going to give you one. I'm going to use it as a model. This is uh, not the heavy steel pot that they would have worn. This is plastic, but it's a visual. So I want us to kind of see this helmet. The Apostle Paul was writing this sitting in a a cell, prison cell. And there's a Roman guard standing there watching over him. And so as he's writing this letter to the, the church at Ephesus... He's using the armor that he sees on this Roman soldier right in front of him. And he puts together this word picture for us about the defensive armor that we need to put on. I don't think anybody ever got killed with a Roman helmet. Might have got hurt, but probably not. You see, this is defensive. This isn't offensive. You don't use this to hurt your enemy, to do warfare. This is to protect you. There's two things about this helmet that we can relate to our helmet of salvation. The first is, this protects a soldier's head. Protects his brain. you got to have a brain. You, you, your body, the, the brain is the command center for the body. It tells the heart to beat, tells the lungs to breathe, tells, tells your body what, what to do. Your brain's the command center. you got to have a brain functioning. So this is, in a battle, when somebody's out there swinging a sword, trying to take your head off, this gives you a little bit of protection. If they're shooting this mass of arrows down on top of you, this gives you some protection. The other thing, and this is the thing I really want us to focus on, and this is probably something you didn't know because I just learned it. You see this mohawk? It's black. This mohawk come in different colors. You see, the battle group on the right flank might have a red mohawk. Same helmet, different color. On the left flank, the battle group over here might have an orange mohawk, or a blue one, or a yellow one. As a matter of fact, every battle group, every company of soldiers on the battle line had a different color. You see, that's so that for two reasons. Number one, the commander back behind can take one look at the battle that's going on, and he can see by the color of the mohawk, he can tell which unit needs backup needs protection. And so he could call in that order so that the whole group could move forward and not fail. The second thing about this is it gives the individual soldier an identity. Tells them where they fit in the army. What's your identity? Do you know where you fit in the army of God? If you don't know where you fit, then you're just out there one of many roaming around. You don't know what Orders are yours to take. You don't know how to win the battle in your own life. So, that foundation being laid, I want to share seven things. I've got 23 minutes and 14 seconds to get through this. Here's number one Salvation gives you identity in Christ. When you accept Christ as your Savior, it gives you an identity. When you were born into the world, you immediately or shortly thereafter were given a name. Your parents automatically gave you the last name. That's the way we culturally do it. Your last name is the same as the daddy's last name. You can legally change it, but automatically everybody gets a name, and identity. And then your mom and dad gave you the first name, the name that you're going to go by. Maybe they gave you a middle name. They used to call that a Christian name. Maybe you, go, maybe you go by your middle name or a nickname. Your name is your identity. It's who I am. It's where I fit. Somebody says, who are you? You're going to give them your name. So salvation gives you an identity in Christ. When you become a Christian, it gives you an identity of who you are in Christ. The in Christ and in the world are two radically different things. And maybe you've lived your whole life in the world, and that's your identity, but as a Christian, you become a child of God. That should change your identity. It's like being adopted. It changes your name, changes who you are. So I'm going to put up this illustration to kind of have a very simplistic explanation of a very complex, complicated thing. You are a three-part being. The Apostle Paul wrote, and he said, "I, I I pray, God, that your whole body, soul, and spirit prospers. Everything about you. So you are a body, a soul, and a spirit. It makes you. You are a three-part being. Your, your body, you know what that is. That's this flesh. It's, it's, it's that thing that everybody sees. They don't, people don't see your soul. They see your body. Your body is what the actions that people see you take. It's your flesh. It has appetites. It has desires. It gets older. Every birthday party gets a little smokier because <laughs> you keep getting older as you go along the line. That's that's the body. Then you have a soul. The soul is that inner part of you that looks out of these windows. It's, it's your mind. It thinks. It reasons. It makes decisions. It feels. It feels jealousy. It feels pain. It feels those kind of things, those emotions. That's a part of your Soul. Then you have a spirit. The spirit is that part of you that connects you with God. It's your God consciousness. Everybody that's born, when you were born as a baby, you had these three parts. You had a body, physical body. You had a soul. You immediately began to look out the windows and think, who is the first person I see? Well, that's mom, okay? Begins a bonding. Then you have a spirit, but your spirit when you were born is dead, Everybody believes in God. People, even people who are atheists, if their life is on the line, you better believe they're praying. Who are they talking to? Themselves? No, everybody inherently believes in a God, but they have no relationship. It's dead, you see. When I became saved at age 24, my spirit came alive. I was saved in an instant. I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ right then and there. The problem was, my soul, because that's where the decisions are made. Once I became a Christian, my struggles began. Here, here's why those struggles began. You see, my soul that thinks and reasons is influenced by my body, my flesh, my appetites, my desires. And the, my body is constantly telling my soul what it wants to do. Then, because I have an alive spirit, now my spirit on the inside begins telling my soul what it wants. If I let my flesh tell me what it's going to do, I'm living a self-centered life. It's all about me. But if I, my soul listens to what the Spirit is saying, then I have a God-centered life. Two radical different perspectives. What's the center of your life? What's the thing that motivates you and drives you? It's the center. You see, this is where the battlefield is right here. This is why Satan is constantly bombarding us in our minds we have to be careful what we put in our minds. Are we letting Hollywood dictate what's normal and rational and the way we should live our lives? I hope not, because Hollywood needs to get saved. That's right. Salvation of your spirit is automatic. The day you accepted Jesus Christ, you became born again. But the salvation of your soul takes work. doesn't happen automatically. You have to work at it. This is where the confusion between, I'm, I'm, not saved, I'm not saved by works, I'm saved by grace. Yes. But the benefits of your salvation comes through works. You've got to take action steps. You've got to discipline yourself. You've got to say no to some things in the world and yes to the things of God. This making sense? You can get out of Egypt, but Egypt can stay in you. That's your own downfall. You can be saved, but not think saved because this is where the decisions are made. Here's number two, the second thing. I got seven of these, so I got to keep moving. Holy cow, almost halfway done. I'm on point number two. You must work out your own salvation. Did you know this? Philippians 2.12, Paul says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does work out mean? It doesn't mean you're working to get for, for your salvation. You're already saved. You already have that salvation. But we need to take the salvation on the inside of us and work it out. It needs to, my soul needs to tell my body what it's going to do, not my body telling my soul what it's going to do. I need to take charge of my body. Even in the Old Testament, King David knew this because he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. He's telling his soul what it's going to do, not the other way around. You see, where the mind goes, the man goes. How you think in your mind is how you follow. That's That's the decisions you make. The actions you take are what's in your mind. So the battlefield is there. When you listen to the world, the world's ideas speak into your mind, it's what we call stinking thinking. You think negative. I, I can never do that. Nobody would ever want me. That's stinking thinking. Who says nobody would ever want you? Where'd that lie come from? You see, it's, it's like that illustration I had with the three parts. It's like there's a demon on one shoulder whispering in my ear, and there's an angel on the other shoulder whispering in the other ear. My body's saying one thing, my spirit's saying another. Guess what? My soul makes its mind up what it's going to do. You're, this is where the battlefield is right here in our mind. Here's number three, the third thing about this helmet of salvation. Your thinking determines who you are. Your thinking determines who you are. Not what somebody else says. It's what you say. It's what you think. So if you listen to a liar, you become convinced that the lie is true about you. Yep. So we need to change the way we think. Right. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks within himself, so he is. The yep. way you think about yourself, that's who you are. Becomes who you are. It defines who you are. Here's a good illustration. First Chronicles chapter four verses nine and ten, Old Testament. Jabez was made, was, excuse me, was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, "I gave birth to him in pain." Picture this. She gave his mother gave birth to him in pain. So she names him pain. Who's got to carry that name the rest of their life? Hey, everybody, this is my son, pain. He's got to carry that image. Maybe some of you are carrying the mental image, the identity of who your father said you were. Good for nothing. Never going to mount a hill of beans. I'm ashamed of you. Those kind of negative things spoken into a child's life molds them into who they are. And they're convinced that that's the truth because this is what dad said. It's not true. But in our mind, it becomes truth. We attach that to our belt of truth. Verse 10, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. I don't want to be this pain. I don't want to be this problem. I don't want to be that anymore. So, Lord, would you move in my life, enlarge my territory, expand me, help me to be more than what I have been so that I will not be of pain anymore in this world. You see, God wants us to change our identity. Pain was his identity. He wanted to change that identity. Whatever identity you have in your mind, maybe from a failure or rejection, some kind of pain in your life, and you've exu- you've uh, what's the word? You've adopted that into your own identity. God wants to change that identity. Give him an opportunity. Give him a chance to do that. Jabez means pain. Change your identity. Change your pain. Let's go to number four. You must control your thought life. That's a good word. You know what thought life is? That's what where your mind's going. It's how you think. It's the pattern of thoughts that you have. You have to change that. 2 Corinthians 10.5, Paul says it like this. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. I need to take every thought captive. I don't let my, I I don't receive all the negatives that come at me. That's a a lifestyle change to change the way you're thinking. That's what he's saying. A couple examples. How many know what the terrible twos are? You know what I'm talking about? It's a period of life where a kid doesn't want to be dependent on mom and dad anymore. They want to kind of spread their own wings and make their own decisions. It's normal. Every kid goes through it, but every parent has to deal with a kid in the terrible twos. How do you deal with the me-do, me-do, me-do thing? How do you deal with a kid that insists on being right even though you know they're wrong? How do you deal with that? Well, if you're a good, loving parent, like Father God is, you grab the kid by the nap of the neck and you say, you will not talk to me like that. You will not talk to your mother like that. And you force them to fit into a mold. You're the parent. You're shaping your kids to become responsible adults. It's a lot easier to do that when they're little than it is when they get 16, 17, 18 years old. Yeah. Then it's too late. They can take you down if they want to. You deal with them when they're little and moldable and pliable. You teach them what's the right thing to do. Here's another example. Aren't these things amazing? You can access absolutely anything you want to access. You can find out any question you have. It's real simple. There's so much information on these things. You can... You can go to your house, you can go into a private room and shut the door and pull the shades, and you can pull up any images you want to. And right there it is in front of you in living color. And you're this this is this is private. This is closed behind closed doors. It's just me. And we can look at those images, and when we're done, shut it off or Go into history and delete it so nobody knows you've been there. And it was all private, right? Just personal, private. And then we go out of the privacy of that room. We go to Walmart. We go back to work. We go to church. And guess what? What we just put in our mind lives live. And we're looking at other people that in the church of Jesus Christ we are called to protect and take care of and shelter. And our mind is going crazy. And we can't figure out why. It's called sin nature. It's there. It's going to be there till you die. And they have a funeral for you. You're always going to have to battle this. And as long as you put junk In your mind, junk is going to come out of your mind. And what you thought was personal and private doesn't become personal and private anymore because your mind exports it. You must control your thought life. If you don't control your thought life, your thought life will control you. Pastor Deal, you shouldn't be talking about stuff like that in church. Yes, I should. I need to talk about real life issues and quit pretending we're so holy that we can't understand real life. Here's number five, fifth thing. You must transform your mind. Transform it. It means a change. Romans 12.2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. By the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The only way you're going to know what God's will is for you in your personal life is if you transform your mind. You must think differently about who you are. If you, if you call yourself a Christian, you are a child of God. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God right here on this earth. The, the Holy Spirit lives within you. That's who you are. We need to think that way. Change the way we think. That's putting on the helmet of salvation, protecting your mind. Because the enemy has all kinds of avenues of bombarding our mind with lies. Did I just read Romans 12 too? Okay. Oh, that's right. You must think differently about who you are. You've heard heard my story. When I was in in junior high and high school, I was the class clown. I didn't recognize that title until much later. I went to a, a, a reunion, class reunion, and they called me the class clown. And I thought, what? Me, class clown? And I realized, what's a clown do? Makes everybody laugh. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to make everybody laugh. So i pull pranks on the teachers, tell dirty jokes, whatever I could tell to make people laugh. See, I forgot that school is all about the teachers and the grades they give you. It's not about my peers, my relationship with all the other students. It's all about the teachers and the grades they give you. So while I was making everybody laugh, the teachers are giving me Fs on my report card. Not good. Doesn't come out good at all. So I had to change my identity. I had to change the way I think. I didn't want everybody laughing at me anymore. I didn't want that. I wanted people to respect me. And I had to change the way I did things to get that change to come about. It was an identity transformation. Not only do I have to think differently about who I am, but I have to think differently about what I do what i do with my life how i behave myself how i how i handle my life when nobody's looking when the preacher's not looking i should say i need to think differently about what i do not just who i am all right here's number 6 you are a new creation did you know that when you accept jesus christ as your personal savior he plants his holy spirit inside of you and it begins to grow you are a new creation Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become, have become, as past tense, have become new. Did you know that? You know, sometimes a woman can become pregnant and she doesn't know it right away. It takes a while before she figures it out. Same thing with a Christian. Sometimes God can plant his Holy Spirit inside of us as a seed, and we don't know it's there yet. Well, I I know I went to church. I said that prayer, but it didn't really happen. Nothing happened. I didn't feel anything. You can have a seed inside of you and not realize it's there until it starts growing. Watch God work in your life. The seed's planted. Watch it grow. My issue is not my identity. We all have issues, don't we? Anybody in here doesn't have some issue going on in your life? Well, we all perfect already? Already got to heaven? No, I don't think so. We all have issues, but your issue is not your identity. Your problems do not define you. Do not let your problems define you. Failure is an event, not a person. You are not a failure. Did you fail? Yeah, you failed. That doesn't identify who you are. Pick up the pieces and move on. Quit living in your failure, in your defeat. You may have messed up, but you are not a mess up. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about you. (laughs) You need to know who you are in Christ. If you become a Christian, you are in Christ. You are... (laughs) in Him. You need to see yourself that way. Change the way you think. Those of you watching at home, this message is for you as well, not just all of us here in the house. You need to know who you are in Christ. So I have some things on the screen we're going to put up here, and I want you to say these things with me, okay? And I want you to say it with confidence because sometimes the devil has lied to us, and this, we, we don't really believe it. So we need to say it like we believe it. Say it with me. I am chosen. I am appointed. I am redeemed. I am called. I am loved. I am an overcomer. I am blessed. I am healed. I am prepared. I am gifted. And I am forgiven. These are things Christians believe. We need to put these things in our mind and embrace them. And hold on to these things. And that will make us. Different in the way we think, therefore, we're different in the way we act. Here's number seven. I got seven of these, so this is I'm winding down. Good because I got a minute and a half. (laughs) Change what you deposit into your mind. Change what you put in here. Get in control of that. Filter. Put put some filters up, but don't allow yourself to be exposed to things you don't want to think about. Philippians chapter 4 verses 8 and 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, here's this conclusion. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I may make somebody angry, but I just, I just feel impressed to say this. We live in an ungodly world. And so the world doesn't think God interacts with people. So they think we have to do it ourselves. This is why when you watch the news, you watch one news network and it tries to tell you the only way we can survive is if we vote for this guy. And you watch another news network and they will say the opposite. The only way we can survive is if we elect this guy. So they both lie and deceive to get everybody thinking their way is the only way to change the world. And that just makes us matter and matter. I don't know about you, but I just get mad. My wife will tell you. I watch the news, I'll argue with it. (laughs) Because I have an opinion. You have an opinion. Have your opinion, and don't let ungodly, worldly-biased people try to put into your mind negative stuff. Because God's in charge of this world. If we think God has created this perfect country for us, this perfect Christian nation, then don't you think God can take care of this perfect Christian nation? You don't need a bunch of lying politicians to save it. No. You can send me an email if you don't like it. I I know where the delete button is. I'm going to ask the worship team, come on up here because we're going to sing one last song, but we have an activity we're going to do together to kind of wrap this up. We're going to make some declarative statements. We're going to make some declarations. We're going to speak this out loud, what we believe. We're going to change the way we think and what goes in here, and we're going to speak it out as if we believe it. So would you stand with me? I just think we speak better when we're standing up. So we got some declarative statements up here and I want us to say them. And as we say these make these declarative statements, I want you to say it as if you mean it. You're making a declaration. It's like you're standing in a courtroom and you're you're promising something. So let's say it together. I am not living for myself. I am living to serve. I am not holding grudges. I forgive quickly. I am not managing sin, I am walking in freedom. I am not alone, I am a vital part of the family of God. I am not looking at people as my problem, I am looking at people as my purpose. I am not giving up, I'm just getting started. We're not at the end, this is the beginning. When you allow Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, the salvation that took place in your spirit becomes a part of the salvation in your soul, in the way you think. And it it motivates the actions we take, which then brings about the blessings or the curses that we experience in our lifetime. I want you free. I want you free. I want you walking in grace. But it requires some work. We need to stand up to the enemy. We need to put on this helmet of salvation and let salvation be a part of who we are. Not just about who God is, about who we are. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for my brothers and sisters in this room. Father, the enemy has tried to lie to us. He's tried to hold us down. He's tried to tie us up keep us in bondage. We're not going to have it anymore. We're going to stand tall. We're going to be recipients of your amazing grace in our lives on a daily basis. Show us, God, how to step out of the world's ways and step into your ways and help us keep that salvation, that helmet of salvation on tight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.